Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Women's running, running, running. Running stories. Youth sports in general, but girls on the run in particular, is really, really powerful at that age. And unlike, you know, being a part of not to nog youth soccer or anything like that, but the running in particular is this very it's a personal growth and development journey. And it's it's up to you to execute on this goal of running a 5k and yes you get lifted up by the others around you and there's teamwork involved but at the end of the day like you, your feet are the ones carrying you to the finish line and it really is powerful Hi, I'm Vanessa Fraser, and I'm a professional runner for Nike. I live in San Francisco. Before that, I was in Portland for four years training with the Bowerman Track Club. And before that, I ran track and cross country at Stanford University. Indeed, this episode is all about Vanessa Fraser's running journey. But before we get to that, welcome to Women's Running Stories. I am Cherie Louise Turner. I am your host and producer, and I'm really excited to bring you this episode. While the broad strokes that Vanessa alluded to in her introduction may make it sound like she's had a rather idyllic progression through her running career, of course, that does not tell the whole story. And we're going to get to all of it from how she first got into running, working with Girls on the Run, up until today. And we're going to find out what exactly has led Vanessa to her next big event, which is an interesting one. Vanessa will be partaking in the 100 by 1 mile women's relay world record attempt. Yeah, you heard that right. 100 women are gathering to run one mile each relay style in an attempt to break the world record. That record was set back in 1999 by the Canadian Women's Miler Club, and they clocked a time of 9 hours, 23 minutes, and 39 seconds. That averages out to a 5-minute, 37-second mile. This is a serious undertaking. The record attempt that Vanessa's involved in will take place on June 3rd, less than two weeks from now. It's all happening at the Cox Stadium at San Francisco State University, and all of the women have ties to the San Francisco Bay Area. There's also a huge age range. The athletes running will range in age from 13 to 63. And the qualifications? If you're 50 or under, you have to show that you can run a sub six minute mile. If you are 50 or older, it is a sub eight minute mile. The women of the Bay Area set this record before for the first time in 1977 and then again in 1997. But of course, it was then broken a few years later by the women up in Canada. And now 
the San Francisco Bay Area women are ready to take it back. And Vanessa is going to be one of them. In fact, she is leading the whole thing off. And as you're going to hear, she is no stranger to being the kickoff leg for a relay. So let's get to it. Let's discover how Vanessa Fraser got to this point, where she continues to train to compete at the highest levels of her sport, while also remaining engaged with the larger running community. And we're going to start in a really familiar place. Back at the beginning, when Vanessa first discovered running through Girls on the Run. Pretty much every girl in my grade and the two grades above were all doing Girls on the Run. It was just the after-school activity to do, so it was a pretty easy choice. All my friends were doing it, so I signed up as well. I did it three years. It's third through fifth grade, and it's just like during the springtime. It's not year-round, and... I had always loved running, like running around during recess and on the playground and stuff. So I knew I had an affinity for running, but that was my first formal introduction to running and training for a 5K. It was the first time, you know, kind of my first real introduction to setting a concrete goal and seeing what it's like to work through the process of of trying to execute on that goal. So you have Um, I think it's around 10 weeks to train for this 5K. And as a third grader, a 5K is pretty long. Um, It's a pretty far way to run when you're that small. So it sounds like kind of this big daunting feat. You know, I'd never run 3.1 miles straight through. And the experience of kind of running a little bit more every week and seeing that growth and development over the 10-week session ultimately culminating into achieving a goal, just the process of having that goal and working towards something and chipping away little by little every day. It's a very rewarding, rewarding experience. So goal setting and personal growth, I think that that was really transformational to experience that at that age. And then I got to learn about being a teammate and lifting others up. And there's a huge emphasis on the program in supporting one another and cheering each other on and not just being the fastest girl, but being kind of the biggest supporter to your peers around you. And that's something that I carried with me through, you know, the next 15, 20 years of my running career is really finding a lot of joy and celebrating others' successes and using that to lift myself up as well. There was no looking back um, from then on really in terms of my love for running and I had a natural ability as well, but interestingly enough, uh, throughout Girls on the Run and middle school at least, there was always at least one other girl who was a little bit faster than me. And I was still very fast, but not the fastest. And that really motivated me. So that's when my competitive spirit also started to come out. A friendly competitive spirit because they were my teammates and friends as well. But it kind of became my mission. Like I want to be, you know, as fast as or faster than my friend. And that really drove me. 
Around third grade, when Vanessa first discovered Girls on the Run, she began to discover another drive that would also shape her life for many years to come. My dream to go to Stanford kind of developed around that age. And I think in a large part because I had some family ties to Stanford. My dad went to Stanford and was a big Stanford sports fan. And then I had uh, one of my mom's cousins played football at Stanford in the late 90s. So when I was four or five years old, I was going to these football games and getting immersed in the Stanford athletic environment and kind of fell in love with it. And I didn't really marry the two dreams of like being a collegiate athlete and going to Stanford until later. It was actually just this academic dream, Um, you know, as much as you can even understand what college is in third grade, just decided that's where I wanted to go and had a sweatshirt and a hat that I wore all the time, a Stanford hat, Stanford sweatshirt that I would wear to school and... (laughs) wear it all over. It was like my favorite little hat and sweatshirt. But yeah, that's where it really started. Vanessa kept her eyes on that Stanford dream and she continued to pursue her love of running and racing. And then when I got to high school, um, yeah, I definitely started to see more and more of my talent coming out, but certainly wasn't like the fastest in my league or state even. And then um, I progressed by the time I was a junior, I won Division Four state cross-country title and then repeated in 2012 as a senior. So I definitely like continued to improve throughout my high school career. I would say that it was a blessing, but I was a little bit underdeveloped as a high school athlete. And I know like being a, being a state champion sounds like the pinnacle, but there were larger divisions in California and plenty of other athletes who were running quite a bit faster than I was in high school, but I was good enough to make a name for myself. Vanessa continued to improve as a racer throughout high school, but probably even more importantly, she had a great experience. I think high school track and cross country is honestly the most fun time in the sport because you really do have such a range of abilities on the team. You know, it's one of the few high school sports that anyone is welcome. You don't have to do a tryout and um, and I love that about it because I think on a on a track and cross country team, the more the merrier. And everybody can run an easy run pace together. Maybe you're going your separate ways, different pace groups for track workouts, but everybody at the end of the day can do a lot of the training together and the warm up together and the stretching together. And I just have so many fond memories in high school of rolling up to meets and we all have matching hair bows in our hair and we have a loudspeaker that we're blasting our pre-race playlist on and bonding over the experience of towing the line and and again the difference to another sport where it's like you might only have a certain number of players on the field at one time and the rest of the players are on the bench or you're swapping in and out it's like 
no, a race, everybody's racing and everybody's having the same experience in the race. It's just as hard for everyone. And yeah, you're not finishing, you know, holding hands across the line together, but you're all experiencing the same course and the same pain. (laughs) And there's something I think that's just so bonding about that. um, That's special that you get to share it with every single person on the team. So all throughout her childhood, Vanessa had these dual pursuits. She was pursuing running, and she also kept the dream alive to attend Stanford. But of course, as a young person, she really had no idea how difficult it was to get into a school like Stanford and beyond that to run for their very competitive track and field program. I had a lot of people rightfully in my ear reminding me to have backup options and, um, and, you know, to be realistic about it. And I'm glad, I'm glad that I had those rational voices on my shoulder because it did, it did encourage me to find other schools that I was interested in. And, and that's important too, to have, to have, to have some flexibility, right. And like to realize that I would have been okay and more than okay if I didn't end up at Stanford. But something deep down inside of me, like I've never even hardly ever, I would say in my running career had such a like strong, compelling feeling that like something was meant to be and that it was going to work out. And I just felt like deep down that I was meant to go there and that 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 was just like something that was inked in my path. And yeah, like I said, I don't think I've ever quite had a feeling like that since then where I was so certain about something that belonged in my future. So yeah, and and there's there's so many things that I admire about that, honestly, because as a professional athlete or as an athlete at, at any level, it takes such a strong sense of self-belief and And honestly, sometimes you have to be a little bit delusional. (laughs) And I wish I had a little bit more of that because as I age, I've become a little bit more realistic and a little bit more rational and a little bit more cynical. And along with that comes a lot more self-doubt. And I sometimes hear myself doubting, you know, am I going to be able to keep competing at this level and, you know, look at the competition around me. Like, do I really belong here? And as a young kid and throughout high school and my teenage years, I really didn't have that. I was like, I'm going to make this dream happen one way or another. I just fully believed in myself. So I think that there's like a lesson that I can learn (laughs) 10 years later now from my younger self in that relentless self-belief that I was going to make this dream happen. And of course, that is exactly what she did. I was so lucky. I really, truly had an incredible experience. Um, And some of that is to thank, right, my high school coach, like we talked about, being a little bit undertrained and coming in with a lot of physical potential to build on that training year after year and also not having the weight of expectation and pressure. So... Yeah, my progression was just steady throughout. I did five years. So throughout five years, I improved year over year, was so lucky to not deal with any injuries, um, which can be kind of rare. I have had plenty of injuries since college, but during college, I was healthy and 
happy and just had such a positive experience with the team. You know, when I first got there as a freshman, I wasn't making the top 10 varsity cross country team that got to compete at Pac-12. So I redshirted my freshman cross country season and that motivated me to be like, you know, I want to be a part of this team. So I'm going to find a way to, I think it was 10 got to compete at conference and then it's the top seven compete at the NCAA cross country championships. So that lit a fire under me. Like I want to be in the top seven and earning a spot out on that course. And I really got lucky with older role models on the team, a few women who were junior and senior when I was a freshman. And I think that that like goes a long way to have sort of an older role model who you look up to, who you then become friends with and you kind of emulate what they're doing and the way they approach things. And there were just so many high caliber athletes and people to learn from. And um, I, I really attribute my growth to having their kind of model to follow along with an incredible coaching staff. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Jess Tun and Ashling Cuff are the two women that I'm thinking of. And it's really just the little things like th- this race stands out in my mind where they both ran really fast 5K times the spring of my freshman year. Ashling ran 15.11 and Jess ran, I think, 15.32. And at the time, 15.11 was the school record. And that's a- extremely fast for a collegiate runner. And I just was, I mean, I was awestruck. I was like, I can't believe that, you know, a woman just a couple years older who's still in college is running this fast in the 5K. And I can't imagine myself ever running that fast, but I kind of aspire to do that. And then because you're with them every day and you see you know, them doing just the average things, the average drills and stretches and weight room and easy runs and workouts. And you're seeing everything that they're doing. I think I started to kind of believe like, wow, maybe I could do that one day. Like I'm seeing how they're doing everything. And yes, they do everything well and intentionally, but like, there's nothing that special about it. They're dedicated, but like I'm just like them too, or I could be just like them. So I'm going to start kind of emulating just the little parts of their process and naturally became close with them as we were teammates and started to understand and learn their mindset and how could really see how they believed in themselves and believed that those goals were possible for themselves. And, and, you know, I ultimately went on to run as fast as they did. And, and I think, there's just so much power in having a role model who you can be close to. 
Vanessa tapped into the power of keying off of role models. It's a practice that continues to serve her to this day. And she was also very empowered by being a part of a team. It was something that had started with Girls on the Run, and it has continued throughout her running career, as exemplified by the fact that some of her most cherished memories of her collegiate career are being part of a relay team. The relay was just something really unique and special. And the two DMRs that I was a part of, the distance medley relays, I was always the first leg, the 1200 leg, so I would lead off. And then it's just this magical experience where you're, it's a little less than 11 minutes. So the first leg is a little more than three minutes. So whatever it is, like seven and a half minutes that I'm standing on the track, on the side of the track, kind of in anticipation of, you know, what's our result going to be. And it's kind of out of my hands. I've done my job and I'm just waiting. And the excitement is building as each team member finishes. Cause now, you know, by the last leg, there's three of us standing there, you know, our arms around each other, our hearts are pumping and, you're just like cheering as loud as you can for the anchor leg and this anticipation of like as soon as your teammate finishes getting to rush up onto the track and kind of tackle each other and hopefully be celebrating. Yeah, it's just the relays are just so unique. It's for sure the team element and you're like truly sharing in that result together and that you made it happen together and each leg was equally important and part of the result so there's nothing like getting to really truly feel like you did something as a collective effort just as she had in high school Vanessa made a name for herself during her collegiate career enough so that As soon as she graduated from college, she was offered a professional contract with the very prestigious Bowerman Track Club. And so, right out of college, Vanessa transitioned to life as a professional athlete. I think in a lot of ways, it was really similar to starting out at Stanford in the sense that I was kind of pinching myself like, wow, I can't believe I get to be a part of this team. I can't believe the incredible accolades and accomplishments of these women who are my teammates, you know, 90% of my teammates when I joined Bowerman had already been to the Olympics. And I mean, that's pretty crazy coming out of college to be surrounded by that caliber. And I was invigorated by it. It was really exciting I think the one difference compared to Stanford was I definitely felt a little bit more um, expectation now that I had signed a professional contract. Whereas at Stanford, I was, you know, I didn't have scholarship money starting out. And, and I think in a way that was, again, a blessing in disguise because my motivation was a bit more intrinsic and I didn't feel like I had anything to prove. Whereas when you sign a professional contract and like, your all like your performances are all of a sudden dictating your financial income and you just feel like you're a little bit more in the spotlight I think or at least that's how I felt and I felt a little bit more 
of this imposter syndrome where, oh, shoot, all my teammates are Olympians. You know, I've got to pull my weight here and show that I belong. On the other hand, I think I really rode the wave of excitement the first year and a half, at least, of, you know, this is such a cool opportunity that I get to train with some of the best women in the world and I get to learn from them. And again, just how I did in college with Jess and Ashling, it's like, there's no secret sauce and I get the behind the scenes of what the day-to-day looks like. And I truly can give myself the opportunity to believe that if I do the same things, then good things will come my way. Um, Unfortunately, that's obviously not how it always works. There's a lot of things out of your control in your competition and what can happen injury-wise to yourself. But yeah, I think overall I had that that mentality. And again, just the friendships that I formed with my teammates and the camaraderie was, it was really, really special and unique and, and a great, great group of women to train with. She had an incredible group of people to train with and big goals to aim toward. I tried to have a pretty open mindset where I wasn't look I think the overarching goal was oh I want to go to the Olympics one day but the more interim goals were I just want to keep getting better and that's a lot like that's really how I thought a lot during my college career which I think is a great way to approach it um, because it allows you to really focus on yourself and focus on the things you can control which is what can I do to get a little bit better? And if I make improvements, no matter how big or small, then I'm going to feel like I'm going to start getting momentum because I'm achieving like these little bite-sized goals of, of self-improvement along the way. But definitely in the back of my mind was that I wanted to make an Olympic team. And when I joined Bowerman, we were only two years away from the Tokyo Olympics at that time. So we thought, and it ended up being three years, but two years in the scheme of like training is really not that much time. So yeah, I just was kind of like, what do I need to do to keep getting better for the next two years um, to try to get on the Tokyo team? And then of course everything changed, but that's like how I was initially thinking. They kind of, say, I don't know, coaches that I've had and other people, it seems to be sort of this agreed upon time, rough timeline that it can take around 18 months of a new training system to really start to reap the benefits of it. So the first 18 months was an adjustment as a pro. The training's a lot more intense. Um, You're doing altitude training stints, which can be a huge adjustment if you're not used to training in altitude. And the workouts are longer, harder, your body's a little bit more tired all the time, and you don't necessarily have a chance to recover and soak in that hard work right away. It takes time to absorb. But I had a solid first year as a pro. I still ran technically like a two-second PR in the 5K and got to travel and race all around Europe, which is like by far my favorite part of the job. It's just so fun and cool to 
get to travel to different countries as a part of your job. And then, yeah, my big breakthrough did happen just about 18 months into the professional training in February of 2020. And I ran 1448 for the 5K and felt like I was just like catching on fire. I felt like that was just scratching the surface. Um, I was by far in the best shape of my life and just felt really strong. And that gave me so much confidence that, you know, making an Olympic team was certainly in the realm of possibility. And at that time, it was only a few months away from what we thought were going to be the trials. So it was really good timing to be kind of catching that momentum and riding that wave. And then two or three weeks later is when the world shut down. So during that time of knowing that the Olympics were postponed a year, I decided to get surgery to address kind of this chronic pain that I had in both of my Achilles. And that surgery was so worth it in that I had been running through quite a bit of physical pain for about three years and it got rid of the pain. And so that alone was a huge gift um, to be able to run pain-free again. But it certainly, yeah, it was certainly a process to do both sides at once and rehab from that and then try to get ready for the trials the following year in 2021. As far as a bilateral procedure goes, like it it was pretty amazing how fast I was training again. I think three months after the procedure, I was running and starting to do workouts. And four or five months after the procedure, I was nearly back to full volume and like feeling really good. So um, (laughs) when you look at it that way, like that's pretty amazing. But the first three months were, I mean, very challenging. In a way, it was a great time to do it because the world was shut down. So I really just spent like every day completely focused on rehab for like the rehab continued. But like for the first three months, it was just it was just a lot of work because when you're doing both feet at once, you don't have a strong side to rely on. And and I think I uh, again, we talk about like how delusion can be sort of a gift in sport. Sometimes I think I was like a little bit delusional and like, Oh, I'll be fine. You know, I can do both at once. And then it's like, you're, you're kind of waddling around in two walking boots and basically like trying to walk again and taking one centimeter steps gingerly. And that's like the hardest thing. Um, You really are starting from, from square one. (laughs) I think maybe from the outside, it looked like I was cruising along, but I really, I think, started to struggle with the um, unidimensional nature of being a professional athlete, all while not quite like living up to the expectations that I had for myself, which was really this bar of where I was pre-surgery in 2020 and kind of struggling to get to that point again, despite my best efforts. And again, these aren't really things that you necessarily see 
from the outside as a spectator, but I just felt like challenge after challenge with my body, with low ferritin and overtraining and, and like little tiny injuries. And there's just like so many things in your body that can go wrong. Or if they're not perfectly optimized, your performance suffers tremendously. Or the Olympic trials and US championships were both extremely hot days in Oregon in the middle of like a crazy 100 degree heat wave. And I do really poorly in the heat. It's something that I'm trying to work on. And I'm I now have a sauna actually that I'm trying to get in multiple times a week. Um, But it's just like there's so many things that are kind of out of your control that started to frustrate me because I was putting every ounce of my being into this sport and felt like it wasn't giving back to me as much as I was putting in. And sometimes that's part of the process and you have to just keep your head down and grind away and trust that it'll pay off one day. But I sort of got to a point where I guess you could say I was a little burned out by it and I wasn't really enjoying the daily process anymore of trying to get better because I felt like exhausted by by not being rewarded by my efforts to the degree that I was hoping to be. And then I had gotten to a point of being a little bit too results driven or like through that process realized that I was pretty driven by my results. And when you're so driven by an outcome that again, isn't like totally in your control. I think that that's a very slippery slope to be living your existence on as an athlete. So in conjunction with starting to feel that way, I got this job opportunity in San Francisco and, and it was kind of the perfect storm of realizing that I could continue to train and be a runner and an athlete and, even at a professional level and continue to be sponsored by Nike all while creating a little bit more balance in my life and pursuing something completely outside of the sport to sort of give myself a mental break from it and to take the pressure off a little bit too. And also to be in a city that that I was excited to be in and to be closer to my family and a lot of friends that I have in the Bay Area from college. And so a lot of factors really leading to the change. Um, It was a hard decision, but ultimately I think it was the right decision. And I'm lucky to still be kind of loosely affiliated with Bowerman. I'm still coached by Shalene Flanagan, who's a coach at Bowerman and um, still really close friends with a lot of people on the team and, and may do some little training stints with them in the future. So For me, it's just like a perfect mix and balance of where I think I need to be right now. Vanessa ended her time at Bowerman in 2022, just last year. And along with this transition, she started changing things up around her racing and training. She's trying some new distances. And back in December, she signed up for the California International Marathon, volunteering as a pacer. Kind of that idea behind pacing goes back to a conversation Shalane and I had months prior. And this is where I feel really fortunate to be working with Shalane because, again, here's somebody who from the outside looking in had 
what seems like a storybook picture perfect career. But Shalane has admitted that there were very challenging times during that, very lonely times during that, and times that she wishes she would have embraced other challenges sooner. And she ultimately kind of found her groove with creating her cookbooks and she became a foster mom all while she was still competing. And, and that eventually culminated into the pinnacle of winning the New York city marathon, but kind of the journey to get there was a lot of this realization that she also thrived off of some extracurricular things that filled her cup in other ways. And so I just felt like she sort of had an understanding of where I was at in my career and how I was feeling and sort of feeling like I needed this, I needed a revival and I needed to do something different. And I feel like there's nothing like a new challenge to sort of ignite that because there's absolutely zero pressure or expectation whenever you're tackling a new challenge. It's pretty hard when, you know, you've, I've already run five U.S. championships before and I've placed, you know, as high as fifth. And so placing 12th isn't very exciting. And I've already run 1448. So running 1520 doesn't feel very exciting. And it's like you have these benchmarks in your mind for this event that you've been doing for so long. And then all of a sudden it's like I haven't I hadn't raced longer than a 10k I think and it's like well why don't we go run a hard 20 miler we didn't actually say 20 we said anywhere from 13 to 20 as long as I felt like going that's going to be a really hard personal challenge but it's also going to hopefully help some other people reach their goals and I think when you get in the mindset of all of a sudden you're doing something bigger than just yourself and more than just for your own goals but for someone else's dreams, I actually think it can really bring a whole nother level of performance outside of yourself because you feel that other people are relying on you. And I actually think that that's like part of the magic of the relay and part of the magic of the DMR is it doesn't feel like pressure, but it feels like, you know, I don't, I don't want to let my teammates down. So I'm just going to find a way to make this happen. And I, I really think it like kind of helps you reach a whole nother level. So that was the I- idea behind that. And it was a super fun experience. And I definitely felt that I was able to get a lot out of myself because I was trying to help other people. And that was the thinking behind doing a half marathon in the sense that it was a completely new challenge as well. So Finding ways to do new and different things in the sport when you've been in it for a long time, it can be, you know, not easy, but in doing so, I think really, really rejuvenating and sort of reviving that fire within. In addition to pursuing new challenges, Vanessa is looking to new role models. She's learning a lot from her coach, Shalane Flanagan, as well as a few other women whose racing journeys resonate with her. I think like one athlete that comes to mind right away is Kira D'Amato, who has had like a very unconventional journey, which just is a reminder that no runner's journey is conventional and there's no one path to success. And it's really about like 
what is your best path and nobody can really tell you what that is and you can't really emulate what anybody else is doing it's it's really finding like what works best for you and some people it really does work to be in like that traditional mold of like sole focus on running for their entire career but you look at someone like Kira who even walked away from the sport for a large time period and had another job and had a family and a lot of um, female runners who are starting families. I think that's becoming a lot more common. And while different from specifically what I'm doing, I think just a good reminder to look around and like realize that, that there's a lot of different ways to do it. And this all brings us up to the present moment. Less than two weeks from Vanessa's next big event, the Nike San Francisco Women's Mile Club 100 by one mile relay world record attempt. Yeah, so I've been able to do some events with a runner's mind, the running store here in San Francisco through Nike and have really enjoyed getting to know that community. And I think that I saw them posting a lot about the 100 by one mile relay attempt and had heard a few other people in the community talking about it. I think it's just really cool that there is such a variety of ages and backgrounds and connections to the sport. And I've heard, you know, there's maybe some, you know, pregnant women doing it, some over 60-year-old women doing it, and high school-aged athletes, and to think how cool it's going to be so representative of the women's running community at large. And and I think that that makes it all the more special that, that we're like attempting a world record. And at first, I thought, how cool if I could make it happen and participate in it, but I wasn't sure how it would fit into my track schedule yet. So I sort of had to wait until somewhat recently as I was fleshing out the details of some track races and some training that I want to be doing this season and realized that it would fit in actually really nicely to that schedule. So I signed up and yeah, that, that to me, once I knew that it would fit into my schedule, it's a no-brainer to participate in. Again, just something new and different and community-based and team-based and checks all the boxes of things that I'm looking to do in this sort of, as I think about it, like chapter two of my professional running career. And this brings us to the end of Vanessa Fraser's story for now. I wish Vanessa and all the other 99 women the very best in this world record attempt. Again, it will take place on June 3rd at the Cox Stadium at San Francisco State University. And what a tremendous undertaking. I mean, it's pretty incredible. A hundred women running that quickly collectively. And I'm also really excited to see what comes next for Vanessa Fraser. She is no doubt in a new chapter of her running career, and it's going to be exciting to see where it leads. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for coming on the podcast and telling your story. 
It is always so interesting to get the inside scoop of what it really looks like to become one of the best in your sport. Of course, look to the show notes for ways to keep up with Vanessa Fraser, as well as how to learn more about the San Francisco women's 100 by one mile relay world record attempt. I also want to thank Rachel Levin and Relay Director Sean Sachs for helping me get in touch with Vanessa and also for alerting me to this absolutely incredible event. I am so excited to see how it all goes down. In the show notes, you're also going to find ways to keep up with us, Women's Running Stories. I always love hearing from you and you can always find us on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. I say it every single time because it is true. I love making these episodes, but the power in them is you listening. It's also in you sharing the show. I would love it if you shared the show with a friend. Thank you again. And until next time, this is Cherie wishing you joyful, strong strides forward. Women's running, running, running. Running stories. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along The Planted Runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 